Well, I just hit record, so it's happening. It's, it's totally happening. Yes. Hey, everybody. There Welcome we to the Trying to Be Better with Joel and Steve podcast. Uh, yeah. Dude, this is our 20th podcast. Holy shit. So, Jeremy, congratulations. You're here on like a big night. There's confetti for those of yep. you that can't see it. Yep. Confetti cannons are all happening. Yeah, there's confetti cannons. There was a like, fog machine earlier. It was one of the fog machine go, is yeah. going. The rockets are kicking behind me. <laughs> the whole thing. It's amazing. <laughs> I just we want you a- to know we we spent our whole budget on this on this festivities yeah, we- <laughs> for you, Jeremy. I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. We is have that, like, a very money at the door. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. All right. We uh we have a very special guest tonight who, um. Steve and I have known for a long, long time um, through a lot of different uh, places, and we'll get into that. For real. Um, Jeremy's a really, really far out dude. Jeremy Eberly is here with us tonight, and um, Jeremy, Jeremy's a cool dude. He um, he, he's also an, uh, a really uh, – he, he's, he's a therapist with a very um, fascinating uh, speciality, which we're uh, – interested to talk to him about a little bit and, and he um, also just this evening became the president of the elect of the nash or i'm sorry nebraska counseling association so big congrats to mr jeremy like yeah it's it's always very cool to see you know uh you know hometown boy make good yeah right? dude very cool what so i guess let's i mean let's, let's say, start say hi jeremy hi jeremy hi guys hey how you doing <laughs> What tell us what is the Nebraska Association of Counseling Association? Am I saying that right? I think I fucked it up. Nebraska Counseling Association. Yeah, what is that? So it's basically an organization that um we we put on conferences about twice a year. Uh when there's legislative bills that impact counseling, uh we let members know so they can write their state senators places like that. Like this year, they tried to get something passed with COVID being what it is. um, That if like, let's say you had a client that was a student Mm -hmm. moved back home because of the pandemic, because they can do everything telehealth. Well, I can't see them anymore. Right. If Mm. they move back to a different state. Correct. One of the things Nebraska Counseling Association was in support of was trying to get it. So like, if you're seeing somebody and they have to move due to the pandemic or due to life circumstances, if you're doing work with them rather than rupture that relationship that you have and try to blindly find somebody in the area they're living in, mm. that you continue to see them. Now, I don't believe it passed, but that, that's one of the things that the NCA does is uh, we let other therapists know what's going on in the community, what's going on in the state, so they mm-hmm. can talk to their um representatives so it's kind of it's kind of an association a group of people that you know obviously keep each other and other counselors apprised of new things and all of that but also do some advocacy yeah very very much so very much so um we do there's well we weren't able to do it this year traditionally they've had like a day on the hill where we go talk to senators and Mm. people like that about issues that are going on in the state insurance reimbursement rates or difficulty with insurance and things like that so that the different committees within the government can become uh, aware of issues that therapists are having, which will impact client care. Oh, gotcha. So Jeremy, 
when I first met you, would you say that this was something that you would have thought would be on your horizon where you're at like right, now, right now tonight? I was going to say uh, scared little boy. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, what I had going on. Uh, uh-huh. um, I've been in recovery for a while. The, I, the only way I could think, because I was thinking of how to describe this when I met Steve specifically, I met Joel later, but I met mm-hmm. Steve was like, my personality was just shattered. Like I didn't have much left. Well, you had one. You just didn't like it very much. <laughs> that's, that's probably more accurate. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was more of a dark and gloomy, yeah, person, yeah. which can be funny, but it was just, it wasn't much fun to live in. Well, mm. That's that was my impression of you. Like when we first met, was to I'm gonna pull a line from Swingers. You're like, dude, this guy is so money, and he just doesn't know it. No. <laughs> like, you're so money. You got these big fangs, man. <laughs> that's, but like up until that point, just about every decision I had made had gone poorly. Sure. No, I yeah. I understand that. Yeah, and yeah. so I was like, I just should not make decisions. That's mm. what I do. Um. And let's don't talk to anybody because they might encourage you to do something. And that that's terrifying because um, that leads to more decisions and <laughs> handled those well. And maybe yeah. responsibility, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those are um, not so far. We don't have much direct experience with that going well. Hmm. Well, let's just avoid that. I, and- I would I would say that like the last decade has gone really well for you. I, well, I would have completely agree, but it took a while for yeah. in recovery. I would say <clears throat> my first four years were, I'm trying to come up with a better word than hermit, but I can't <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. more accurately describe it. It yeah. was um, avoid any entanglement possible besides, like I would talk to Steve Mm-hmm. Um, and I would talk to a couple other people and that was pretty much all I could handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it was too scary yeah. and would invite me places. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that looks, that's going to be a lot. No, <laughs> there's going to be people there and interactions yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> making conversation. Yeah. There's going to be small talk and no. <laughs> cause that's the interesting thing is it's like, I want them to talk to me, but like, what do they, what? No, I don't want to talk. <laughs> well they might ask you a question like how you doing yeah exactly that's entirely too terrifying yeah there's so much up there that right. you don't really want to know how i'm doing right so was was yeah, my was, general go ahead sorry was your was it always counseling for you then at the, even at that time was that was that something that you were you were headed towards or was there like a therapist or a counselor in that pivotal time that just sort of like blew your mind and well, you're like I I you were that. working at, you worked at houses for a long time didn't you yeah so like i got out of college and college was such an unmitigated disaster i mean i graduated but not with honors let's just right. say that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. either socially or uh, um these get degrees nothing. right yeah exactly yeah, yeah um and so i was truthfully my strategy was just get in the workforce just go to work like that's what we can handle we can handle a time schedule um and i wanted to be a therapist but undergrad was such a struggle that mm. 
Um, cause they like would require things like go to class. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's tough. What and a, I, well, it was horrible, seriously tough. Like I, I remember one professor said, what do I need to do? I said, what do I need to do to pass this class? He said, it would help if you'd shown up before April. <laughs> I've had to say that as a, as a, as a professor now, I've had to say that like, man, I can't tell you how important is it. If like, if you, if you, it's hard to fail somebody who shows, who has perfect attendance, right? right. It's, just like, it's hard. It's like so hard to fail you. If you show up every day, like mm. I'll go over to bat with you. So, yeah. That's no. Crazy. And that was the thing was just, that was the one part that was impossible for me because mm. I would show up on test days. Right. I would do fine, but mm. I can't show up consistently. Mm. And that's sort of a, problem in my world. So I, I went to the workforce first. I worked at the regional center for nine months oh. and then transferred over to houses. Uh, for those of you that don't live in Lincoln, Nebraska houses, we're referring to as houses of hope. It's a halfway house community mm-hmm. here in Lincoln. Great organization. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wonderful organization. Definitely. Yeah, it really is. Um, and I worked there for about three years and it was around that time that actually what happened, people just kept telling me I should do this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like, I want to do it. But again, the school thing, like, because mm. um, I'm the type of student that like, I like to learn, but I like to learn on my terms. Mm. So I saw something on Facebook one time that said, a mom asked her kid, what'd you learn in school today? And he says about dragons. She said, your class learned about dragons. He said, no, I did. I don't know what they were doing. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of describes my academic pursuits uh, is like, I don't do well when I'm told this is what I should read. Right. Um, And so I ended up enrolling and working there while uh, going to grad school. Um, And uh, counseling just seemed to be the only thing I was designed to do. Hmm. Hmm. Um, it's the only thing that interests me is deep, meaningful conversations. Mm. Uh, great. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. <we're- laughs> that's good. But like, that's, that's the only thing that like is interesting to me. Well, uh, that's, I mean, I, I want to put a, I don't want to interrupt, but I want to just point no, out like it. one thing you said was that, you know, people around you, people, other, other counselors at houses of hope and people around you said, this is something you should, because they saw it, they saw it in you maybe before you saw it in you, but then to know that once you started practicing it and probably in your work as a tech at houses of hope, those conversations became frequent where you're helping these folks in dire in sort of crisis situations almost, or like trying to get their life back together. And you had a knack for it. Did you feel like you had a knack for it before you were told, or I'm just curious about like, no, my general, strategy is i have to be told about a hundred times before i (laughs) leave it um just being honest um so it would be something i would be interested in but it was like somebody would say it and i'm like oh you're adorable Mm. um and so after a while it just kind of kept feeling like that's where i was being led Mm -hmm. um and so because that was I mean, I would tell people in, when I tell my story in recovery, like being a therapist was the job that I would lie about wanting. Uh, I was like, that's sure. the job. When people are like, what are you going to school for? Counseling. I was right. going to survive, but yeah, 
that was the only thing that sounded like a reasonable career for me. Wow. And you sort of just like, it was kind of like you, you, you faked it until you made it almost like you were just sort of like, it was that, it was that brass ring out there and I nah, don't, it's never going to happen, but I'm going to say this to get you off my back so that I have a thing. So that because I have an answer nuts. when I'm in a social occasion and somebody asks me what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going exactly. to school to be a counselor. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you happy now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's pretty much how it felt for me. Um, and then I, enrolled at Doan and kept working at houses until that degree was done. Mm. And so I, I mentioned in your introduction, and I think we're going to get into that because I, I think Steve and I are both kind of, we have some, we have, we have a, a maybe a, a, a topic that of conversation, but you're, you specialize in a particular kind of therapy or counseling, right? I, I do a lot of work with gamblers. Um, mm-hmm. And now they're what I, Kind of call their cousin, which is a video game addiction. Oh, oh wow! Because that's I'd the- kind of forgotten about that, but that's a thing. Yeah, that's that's definitely a thing we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, avenues, uh, which is an agency I own with my business partner Janet. Mm-hmm. Um, Why and- gambling? Because alcoholism is boring. <laughs> <laughs> when you know everything about alcoholism like well alcoholics are, are just predictable really <laughs> it, it honestly was so that i could separate it from my own recovery oh wow, wow. yeah because i didn't want to be at a bunch of meetings where i'm running into people yeah that's interesting and so when i got an internship at a place i was like i know enough about this process this thought process but it's not the same thing. So I'm not going to always have to cut myself off from my own recovery program. And, and you know, I, I didn't heard... know that Jeremy, that's interesting. Cause I know that was a struggle for you for a while. Yeah. Trying to find, you tried to find balance and that wasn't working. So you just went to a different arena. Yeah. I just had to yeah, play a different yeah. game. Uh, yeah. And so uh, that's sort of the thing that just kind of kept, I was like, this is nice. I'm going to stay here because it's the same thought process, but different, different action. Mm-hmm. And so, which is actually to me, the interesting thing when you cut across most of the addictions, yeah, there may be different motivations behind why we're doing it. We're all doing it to fulfill a need mm-hmm. some way, yeah. shape or form. And I'm like that I can identify with, I feel comfortable here. Um, and so that just started to become a natural outgrowth of, mm-hmm what I was doing. Um, so you ahead. said the, you said the word process earlier. That's something I've heard in a different recovery group that I go to process uh-huh. addiction Would gambling sex addiction or, or pornography addiction. And, and like uh, you mentioned video games or mm-hmm. you know, internet, would those all be considered process addictions? And what, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, because the part that's interesting is that like it's harder as the general public to understand like we'll just use gambling as the example we can understand logically because everybody's had a few too many like oh you just like that feeling so that's what you're going after all the time Mm -hmm. but what we don't categorize is what's happening inside the brain Mm -hmm. and you know spot you get to when drinking or using where it's like everything is okay you just reach that perfect level of like everything. Okay. That's what happens with process addictions too, is like, as an example, um, 
one of the things you have to learn when you work with gamblers is what is the amount of money they can safely trust themselves with. Mm-hmm. That's uh, interesting. Because like I had one guy that was five dollars. He's like, if it's over five, I'm going to do something with it. Wow. Um, I had another guy that it was five thousand. He could have four thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars in his wallet. He's fine. But if it's five thousand now, I got to go. Mm-hmm. It has to be worth it. Mm. Well, that's just that's kind of like drinking. Like, why would you have one? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Why would you even about waste? Why? Yeah. yeah. I've never been tempted by somebody who says, would you like a beer? No. Boo. Not amusing to me. Uh, that's just going to make me angry. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to suck. This is going to yeah, suck. One beer sucks. Don't dangle the dream and take it away. Yeah. Right? Dangle the dream. Hashtag dangle the dream. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And so, oh my God. But that's weird because I bet everybody's threshold is different based on how yeah. much resources they have access to, right? So, like, very much so. And how long they've been doing it. Because if, like, the part that starts to develop tolerance within gambling addiction is not only money, but time mm. the amount of time you spend doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, when you're working with them, like, if they have a three hour window, that's a problem. But if they have two hours, they're fine. And so you really have to start to work to define, like, what's your safe zone to start? Um, and when you can do that, then then you can learn, like, where where you need to plug holes for them, where you need to help them see, okay, we're going to need something. That's a four-hour window. We need something there. But that, that tolerance gets more. What used to be a $5 bet would cut it. Now it's got to be 1000 mm-hmm. Used to be sure. half to, to meet that that rush or that to whatever. To meet that rush, to get that feeling because our brain gets used to it. And that yeah. is that the chemicals in our brain um, simulate what would happen with substance use. There's two different types of gamblers. There's an action gambler and there's a, an escape gambler. An action gambler typically like games that they feel they have a competitive edge. Mm-hmm. Play poker, they'll play blackjack. Mm-hmm. They'll Keno, but if they play Keno, they have a strategy on how they'll beat it. Because uh, for them, the rush is about is about winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about being smarter than X, Y, or Z. Sure. Um, and so for them, that's what they're that's what they're after. For them, that what happens in their brain is the amount of dopamine that gets released is similar to that of if you took a line of cocaine. Okay. So this is how you'll hear people going on like a seventy-two hour gambling binge. Mm-hmm. They're in action that whole time. And what's interesting is action before you gambled. You can start action as you're planning it. Oh, yeah. I understand that. And and the high has already started. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that you have to watch. Well, for. you're getting you're getting showered, you're getting dressed, you're ready to go take the town. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I get that. Yeah. You're going to do and this so- tonight. <laughs> exactly. We're going to make some bad decisions. That's right about the opportunity uh-huh. uh, so but <laughs> what was I, the other I, one the other one is escape gamblers escape gamblers interestingly it's not that they don't want to win but what they don't want is attention brought to them so mm-hmm. the games where there is less visibility slots slot machines mm-hmm. are for this population and the casinos have noticed this this sounds like i'm bashing the casinos i'm not they just know their market mm-hmm uh, so when you win, there's no longer like big bells and whistles that go off. Oh, so oh. The big bells and whistles is drawing attention to me. I can't have that. 
I'm here to numb out. I'm here to escape. Oh, uh-huh. uh, they've stopped that. And now they just have somebody come over and say, would you like to help cash you out? Hmm. And so, wow. uh, but for them, it's similar to pain relief. They're yeah. escaping from emotional or physical pain. So instead of the cocaine, it's the opiate. It, exactly. Oh, up or down. Right? Exactly. And the thing oh, okay. that's interesting in it is that the biggest population that plays escape games are the, the elderly. Yeah. And so when you watch people that are elderly walking around there, they're feeling good. Um, so I was walking behind a guy one time. They hold a lot of gambling conferences in casinos. Which are is you kidding me? That's but awesome. I was walking behind this guy and I was late because that's who I am as a person. And as I was walking behind him, he was at a walker and I was thinking like, man, going to be even later. Right. Dude, like three hours later, I don't know where the walker was, but he was zipping around that casino. He was mm. good. Mm. And so that was the thing that was really interesting to me was how much that had changed the way he physically felt. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So he like forgot his ailment and just was like, yeah, he was high. Yeah, he was just high. He was just feeling good. Why wouldn't you want that if you're in your advanced years? So. Sure. With 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 gambling process addictions in particular, I'm very curious about this because as an as an alcoholic drug addict, I get that. This is I mean, you've been around me. We we've played poker together. I'm horrible. Mm-hmm. I don't love it. It's goofy and I'm done. And it's it's like I don't get that rush. Right. It's, it doesn't it doesn't hit me. So right. with with your with your clients, is it you said something about like you know, how much they can have or how much they can play with. Is it about complete abstinence with this? Because wouldn't it be really easy to like, you know, play the stocks or play something, you know, like, is it, is it about complete abstinence from that process at all? I think generally your quickest, easiest way to solve that problem is complete abstinence. Mm -hmm. There is some research out there that harm reduction can work. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the long-term success of that is. Right. That way. The challenging part with gambling is how embedded into the culture it is. Mm-hmm. Second most popular Christmas present like two years ago was lottery tickets. Oh yeah. Scratchers. Right. Get them yeah, in the scratchers. stocking. Every, scratchers, scratchers every stocking. I love them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess and I do so, love that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, so it's, March Madness is going on right now. Right. How many schools have it? You know, Um, it's in so much of our culture that we don't even think about. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a guy that got triggered by, you remember Amigos used to have those pull tabs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh Um, And he got triggered by that and had to, he's like, I can't have that. That's that's too close for me. And I I would not have thought of that one. Right. You know, because... They said you could win an iPad. I never won. So um, right, didn't occur to me to be gambling, but for him, it did. So yeah, that's the part that when you're talking about complete abstinence, you have to be prepared for how prevalent it is in the culture, which is not different than drinking or, or others. Sure. Sure, but yeah. you, you really have to start to prepare for those, those kind of things. And there mm. will be times that will be more challenging for mm. gamblers. This is a rough time. Uh, like March Madness or the Super March Bowl Madness or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, sport of football is yeah. rough. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can I tell an anecdote? Yes. So, well, I have two. The first, uh, um, when I was 20 years old, I was in Northern California, Lake Tahoe, and I worked at Harvey's Wagon Wheel, big casino. You know, not Vegas big, but big, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was 20 and I had long hair and I wouldn't cut it. So I couldn't work front of house. So I was working in the back of the house, right? Um, I was a kitchen grunt, basically. Big place. Um, and one morning I was having breakfast in the employee uh, cafeteria, which was really great, actually. Um, and one of the a security guard that I was kind of made small talk with when we were eating, you know, he looked kind of just he was usually pretty happy to lucky and looked kind of morose. So I'm like, what's going on, man? He's like, well, had kind of a rough night. And uh, <laughs> he had there was a woman, an elderly lady that had come up to one of the pit bosses about three in the morning and said, I'm done gambling now. I'd like my money back, please. Oh, oh my God. And she was informed that that's not how it worked. And she flipped out because she had spent all of her and her sleeping husband's money. And they had to take her up and inform the husband and they didn't have money to pay their hotel bill kind of situation. Right. So that was kind of a, you know, and that was kind of my introduction to, Oh, yeah. like that's a reality. Very real. And then in that same position, I noted and at the time, I didn't think much of it, but as years have gone by, the way payday worked there was you stood in line in the, one of the bowels of the, of the casino, which was not glamorous. I can tell you this much, um, <laughs> to get your paper paycheck. And with your paper paycheck was a, a paper attached to be a paperclip to drink tokes. And you could get your, you could get your paycheck cashed at the bars that had video slot machines mm-hmm. in the bars. You know how that rolls. <laughs> and if you know anything about alcoholism or addiction, you get your you go get your paycheck cashed at the bar with your right. two free drinks and oh. five hours later not that i ever did this <laughs> but <laughs> you just gave your entire paycheck back to the very place that oh you my just god for. so in my mind that's evil yeah that's my yeah. opinion <laughs> but you know 25 years after that i'm like you know what that's just evil that's the company store you that's know, the company like, store, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, at the time I thought, gosh, that's kind of nice. I can have a couple drinks, you know, yeah. I worked hard for this. And I did sort of, <laughs> and the job was, <laughs> but, uh, but you know what I'm saying? So like, that's, that's my, that's, that's, that was like my takeaway from working mm-hmm. in a casino was like, oh, that's, oh man, that hurts. Uh-huh. And so, there, so when I, so then the other thing is that a couple of years ago, I was working on this job. I was on the road all the time and I was going down this little town in South Kansas and the bank I worked with banks and bankers like stay at the casino. We got a group rate. I'm like, fine. I'll stay. It'll be staying at the super eight, I guess, you know, well, right. I rather would have stayed at the super eight um, or the <laughs> truck stop thing or whatever, because what the deal was this casino is in, it's right in the corner of Kansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri. Mm-hmm. like the the entrance to it is in missouri the parking lots in kansas and the casinos in oklahoma that's how nice. close it nice. is <laughs> and and from the outside it's like this taj mahal in a rural desolate fiscally impoverished wasteland right and it's this kind of taj mahal like thing and i'm pulling up and i'm thinking this looks okay you know fine we'll have a buffet it'll be good mm-hmm. and i walked in there i walked through the casino and i noticed 
the, the it was like Tuesday or whatever, and the parking lot had some cars in it in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, fine. I walked through there. I was there uh, three days, two nights, and I did not, with the exception of the staff, I did not see one person there that I could categorize as looking healthy. Mm. <laughs> Every mm -hmm. single patron in there looked bad mm. and it was sad mm. and the hotel itself was very nice like a point you know with the accoutrement and, and appointments and but it was oppressive mm -hmm. and it was the, the the i can see how people um that maybe hadn't seen much beyond that particular neck of the woods would think it was really nice and that they were doing really treating themselves by being there but all i saw was was misery frankly mm -hmm. like when i go out to go to work in the morning there'd be people sleeping in their cars yeah and oh, i would oh. come in you know after being at work all day about seven o'clock at night i got some food or whatever and the parking lot would be almost full mm. of really of people that very obviously should not be gambling right for yeah. financial reasons yeah, you know yeah. there wasn't a car in the parking lot that looked decent you know, a lot of busted out taillights and rolling on the spare donut, that kind of thing. And sometimes somebody just sitting in it, you know, and it was just the most desolate. Like my heart just sunk. Yeah. And because I did. Oh, and because the in the in the hotel rooms did technically have Internet access, but it was so bad because they didn't want you on Netflix. They wanted you on the floor. Right. <laughs> right. So I just went and sat down in the casino and just people watched because I like to do Ooh. that, except for it was so depressing. Because I mean, I've worked in casinos where it was like it was kind of fun. You know, Harvey's was a nice place. People come up to Tahoe to party, you know, oh. this was not that. Yeah, this was desperation and addiction writ large. And it was well, so and look at that for a heart second. Wrenchingly sad absolutely it is but look at that and that's the challenging part when you're talking about gambling as opposed to like best case scenario when you're talking about substance use i'm going to get home before something illegal and or embarrassing happens sure Th that's the big win right that's the big right. win right. right yeah that's the big win we you did know? it again yeah exactly we made it <laughs> suit up tomorrow safe <laughs> But with gambling, sometimes you can get out of your hole for a minute by the very same thing that got you in. Right. So what do you, you what, what do you mean by that? What is what? Well, I, you hit a big jackpot and all the problems that you have go away for a little bit. Oh, they don't go away forever because, of course, you're going to get back into it, right. but go away for a little bit. And as an addict, that's all I'm looking for. Is I, for but, and and as an addict, when you say that, Jeremy, that makes so much sense because like as a drunk, it's like I wanted to get to that 10 minutes of cool and I always overshoot the mark and pass <laughs> out of my bed. And before, right. like by 1030, I was the kid throwing up in the, you know, so like there was no wave. There was no like catching another wave, you know, right. what I mean? and, yeah. and so like this idea that you could be at your worst hit the hit the money be at your best and then go right back to being at your worst and maybe hit your best again in the matter of 24 hours holy moly that to me that was the most heartbreaking comment i've ever had from a client was um they told me they said i said what's it going to take for you to want to quit i said i'm just curious and he says if i if i want to quit if i really quit then i have to admit that this is the number this 
that I have to pay back. Mm. Oh. But if I stay in it for a little bit, maybe that number gets better. I yeah. Oh, I'm, God. I'm making it. I'm connecting you know, a dot well, here because it's like it's like you know. There's some universality here because we can look at that you know that desolate casino and and sort of say that's not me. But like all of us on some level have to accept. The, 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 the path to freedom starts with the acceptance of what actually is like that right oh. now it's like this right mm -hmm. now it's like this. And that idea, like, you know, when, if you're addicted to anything, it's like, well, maybe it'll be different. Maybe if I got out of this relationship or got that job or whatever, I could drink normally or went to that church or whatever, <laughs> but, you know, but so this, there's a very big similarity there, but like oh, the accepting of the number because you know what it's like to hit big. I mean, yeah. Right. And that's the crappy part is like, I've been here before. Right. Right. And it's worked out. And if I stop, it's not that I don't want to stop, but if I stop, this is what I have to clean up. Wow. And I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hurts. That's a universal thing in recovery. I think exactly. Yeah. Like if I yeah. stop, I'm going to have to feel this and I'm going to have to face all of this. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? All of a sudden, maybe spinning the wheel on another couple drinks isn't such a bad idea. Right. 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 Because <laughs> right. I'll make it up to you one day, but that day just, it can't be. It's today. not today. Yeah. You just it's like too painful today. You honestly, and I got to admit this, that like, because I don't get in, I never really got into the ring with, you know, gambling addiction. I just knocked on wood yet. I never really, I didn't judge it. It's just like, I don't really understand. I, that's just, it's foreign to me. That, yeah. that made a lot of sense to me. Like, well, here, like I had, like when I was, you know, working at Harvey's and lived in Lake Tahoe, I certainly blew some cash in casinos. Um, not, not a lot. I blew that on other things, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was no stranger to the roulette wheel. You know, it was a great way to spend an evening. Me and my buddy go down there and we drink these. I don't even know what they're called, but we lose 20 or 30 bucks. And I just, you know, small time stuff, maybe a hundred, maybe. And we never, ever won, but it was fun. And who cares, you know, but I never, I think part of the reason why I never got really hooked on gambling is because I never won. I was bad at yeah, it. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. like it was just kind of like, I'll never forget. You guys don't remember our friend, uh, Chris B. I guess he lives in Minnesota yes. now. Chris, if you're mm -hmm. listening, yes. me and him and this girl, Katie, went down to Kansas City to go to Worlds of Fun. And we did. And it was great. We had a, the best time. And then that night, we're sitting at Katie's sister's apartment in Kansas City. Where we were playing. And we're like, well, what are we going to do now? And Chris is like, there's a casino on the other side of the highway. <laughs> right. And I'm like, sure, let's go. And Katie's like, I guess, whatever. So we went and uh, Chris was playing. He wanted to play blackjack, and I'm just kind of walking around. And uh, and Katie's like, "Fine, I guess I'll do the gambling." And so she got ten dollars in quarters, <laughs> and she put it into a slot machine, and it was all gone within like forty seconds. Yeah, that's and me. She, and that's she how said, I gamble. She said, "This is the stupidest thing yeah. ever." And then we went and got a burger while Chris played blackjack. You know, yeah. uh -huh. that's how I gamble. That's my. I'm like. It doesn't matter what I bring in there. It's all gone and I'm just going to be done. Like, right. I, but you're right. Like if I'd hit big, I've been around people that won big. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That feeling could take me. Well, mm. I remember like I went with our friend Casey. Hi, Casey. Yeah. Hi, Casey. And I went with him and another guy. Uh, well, Daryl. And uh, we went up to uh, Sioux City so that those two guys could play in a poker tournament. 
Mm-hmm. And I think I actually played, but I didn't have any designs on taking down the house. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. a $20 buy-in, whatever. And uh, I was mostly going along just for the ride. And Casey, uh, he came in second. Right. Right. right? And it yeah. was amazing. This was when, like, the World Series of Poker and all that TV stuff was just kind of hitting big, you right, know? Right. And Casey went in there. And you guys know this guy, Casey. I love you so much. This is so. This was so cool to see. He uh, he went in there and he perfectly played the role of the idiot kid <laughs> that thought he was really something, but yeah. he was doing stuff like kind of intentionally, accidentally playing at the wrong time. Yeah, and just being yeah. a total doof on purpose. Yeah, I mean, I knew that he was doing that. I was just saying, like, oh my god, these guys have no idea what they're up against. <laughs> they're getting fleeced. These by are all sociopath. guys that have been playing there for ten years or whatever. They all knew each other. Like, look at this idiot kid. And I'm like, you guys don't even know. Yeah, you're getting right. You don't even know. Mm. And that, so but, like that, like, I understand like the appeal of that. Like that, that thing of like going in and being like, I got you suckers, mm. you know? Right. Being a big shot. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. That's what it would feel like. The interesting thing is if you play poorly in front of people that are actually there for an addiction uh-huh. it will it ruins their high uh, why because you're not doing it right oh mm. uh, it's like I, one of my best friends growing up was this sweetheart of a lady abby uh steve's met abby um uh-huh. and i remember her and i having very different experiences when we were drinking because i chugged three beers right away sweetie we have all night and i was like i know and quite frankly you're irritating me right yeah like you haven't done this like Mm. being like so like just irritated because i was like you're not doing this correctly Mm. and then she's like oh i need to slow down i'm starting to feel it and i'm like i do not it's like we are speaking different languages and Mm. somebody's in there and they're playing they don't know what they're doing it can be very offsetting for somebody that's in the middle of an addiction, because if you oh. look what they have going on in that space, some of them have, you're talking mortgages that they yeah. to get this. And you took my 10, right? Uh, you know, are you kidding yeah. me right now? Um, and so that's the thing that can, because I've had many gamblers come in and tell me like, dude, this guy, he, he split the cards and he should have split cards. And then he got my card and I would have been fine. Oh, I would have been fine if it weren't for that after that. And he's like, I blew 40,000 after that because he screwed me. Wow. Wow. And that's, it's just like, I'm, you know, connecting the dots and seeing the similarities of all, it's just a, you know, there, there's this inability to accept the reality of what's going on because you're surrounded by a thing that's pumping fantasy into you all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea that, you know, yeah. Wow. And I could see, I mean, I, you're just giving me a real window into process addiction because, you know, like I think of social media, I can be pretty mm. compulsive with that or I don't get really addicted. Although I did play for a few hours yesterday on my PlayStation four, I wouldn't consider myself addicted to video games. You know, you can quit anytime but you want to Joel. You can quit I actually do. <laughs> I do. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you just give me a window into this process of like, just a. uh, what the connection to all of it is that you kind of don't want to accept what's really happening. And this thing is a perfect way to ex- escape that or 
to sell you the idea that you can fix it in a minute or you would be okay if this thing or if somebody else didn't do that i'd be okay it's like you know we all have that inability to want to accept reality sometimes i'm i'm currently listening to Brene brown's book the gifts of imperfection and mm-hmm. she talks about numbing a lot oh, and that's in that yeah. it's the same it's a very similar concept i mean the the numbing through process addiction how like something can be like kind of a kind of a benign numbing thing but it can also turn into something else mm. Well, but just just take that for a second, because what I, I like Joel's word could be what we're missing is connection. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just acceptance of reality, but it's the connection mm-hmm. to people around me. And you know, if I've got a wife mad at me, kids are mad, and we're in the middle of a pandemic, like where can I get a sense that reality will become okay again? I can go there and they're going to treat me nice. They're going to smile. They're going to give me what I want. And I'm going to get connected that way because they don't ever turn me down. Mm. You know, and that's the part that gets uh, really challenging is that I'm asking you to not only give up the activity, mm-hmm. but the environment of the activity. Mm. Like where, where everybody knows your name. Close. Right. People, Absolutely. places, and playthings, right? That's what we say, yeah. you know. And do, is part of the therapeutic, obviously, with, you know, there's gamble, Gamblers Anonymous. Or I'm sure there's a video game support group system too. But is part of the therapeutic that you work with outside of those recovery sort of peer led, peer support groups? Like, is, is, yeah, is there, do you see underneath all of that addiction symptom that sort of part of the therapeutic is like, hey, go make some friends, go do something like, is it about like really the real thing is the connectivity and having connections with other humans? I think that's the thing that recovery groups did starting way back when till now that they did Mm -hmm. was that ability to connect Mm -hmm. and connect on a gut level that like you understand me, you're not judging me and we can start off fresh and there's, there's a way out of this. I think that level of connection is the part not trying to denigrate the other two sort of of legs of the tripod that they talk about in recovery meetings. But that to me is the most significant thing that they came across was that idea that we will hold meetings, we will get people together and we will, we will go through this because that fantasy land keeps me out of connection, which quite honestly is what I want. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard. That's the irony of it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a, right. it's a false thing. It's very well. I relate that to social media and likes. Yeah, absolutely. We're 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 so connected, but are you? Right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, your your spouse or whoever's <clears throat> laying in bed next to you, thinking, "I guess I'll go to sleep." Right. Yeah. <laughs> like whatever. Do you do you work with folks that obviously that that you know? gambling video games but also social media is that a, is that a yeah. thing that gets to that's becoming game? more and more of a thing and especially in steve mentioned it but especially in couples therapy mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of that right now because um I, I i asked a therapist that i knew that did only couples therapy and i 
where, where do affairs start? And she said, I've never had one in the last 15 years, not start online. Wow. Uh, because she said it's a fantasy land. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's no responsibility there. Right. In that, in that situation, whereas there's responsibility at home. Right. Right. There's yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah this will be yeah. easy and fun and whatever. And there's no, yeah, accountab- there's no accountability too. Cause no. it does, our brains sort of see it as a video game or something we, that like, you know, I, yeah. Yeah. You guys, you guys, we all know our friend, Jamie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Jamie. On his Blackberry. <laughs> yes. Way back in the day saying, make me feel better. Make me feel better. Make I have quoted better. that so many times to people because I remember I mean, that so vividly. Is, is there a better analogy for that There's situation not. than that story? I mean, no, make me feel I've, better. Full disclosure, I have caught myself, scroll through Instagram for X amount of minutes, right. close the app, open Facebook, scroll through X amount of minutes, <laughs> close that app, go back to Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like I'm feeding myself my own FOMO bag of like, yeah. oh, well, yeah. you That's know? The, oh my God, the FOMO. Let me, let me ask you guys a question. What's the first thing you do when you get up? Don't ask. I don't. Because here's <laughs> why, here's why I'm pissed about you put, asked that, and we even went when, Joel's fantasy, Jeremy. right? Because like eight podcasts ago, I was like, man, I'm gonna stop looking at my phone in the morning, and I did. Between podcasts, I put my phone in the other room. But man, that blue light, Jeremy, that blue light, oh, it calls. wakes me up. Oh, it calls you. Oh, it's like so good. It's like, hey, good morning. Here's a false sun. I'm not the sun, but I also have pictures of you know here's, political here's, figures you hate and you yeah, know, music and here's, that you like. Here's a distant friend of yours doing something you've always wanted to do, and they're they're right. surfing. They're out. They're in Florida, licking each other's faces during this pandemic. You right. should be doing that too. And then, then you know, I'm angry, and then I've got to sit in meditation with all this right. you know fuel on the fire with nothing to burn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was actually listening to Mark Marin talk about the first thing he has to do now is meditate. Yeah. That his mind isn't awake enough. I love this description. Yeah, I heard that. I heard him talking. Who's he Lee talking to fire. about that? Was that uh, who was that? That was uh, it, it was uh, it, it was, was uh, Michael that, K. Williams. It was Michael K. Williams. Oh, yeah, Omar. Okay, Omar, Omar coming. Yeah, yeah. and I that I was great. That. Yeah, Marin's my like, guy for real. food stuff. Yeah, Marin's the one that talks about it. like he's the food guy. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you how do you not eat? <laughs> it's everywhere. That's it's food. True. You kind of have to have it. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm a food guy. Like, I guess, I guess I'll just be standing at the, I'll be standing at the party eating all of the carrots. <laughs> and then somebody will see me and come up and go, you can eat all those carrots. Like, yeah, I can't wait. like, oh, you're like me, aren't you? Yes, I am. It's, but yeah, dude, you, yeah, I mean, you nail me to a wall with that, Jeremy. Cause like, that is the first thing I do. It's the last thing I do. And if I, 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 it's it's totally habitual by this point. Maybe maybe I really it, need do need to look at that. You know, there's something about here's that. the here's the part to tap into, Joel. Is because the part I had to look at was do I feel off center when I don't? Mm. And like when you don't look at social media, when first I don't thing? look at so, when I don't get up okay. and look at my phone first thing. Mm. And I noticed that like I would for the first couple of weeks I was like ugh. I don't feel like I need something to ease me into this day. It's like detoxing from sugar. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Tried that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You think detoxing from Instagram is hard. Try detoxing from sugar. Yeah. No, no, no thanks. I'll just die early. It's fine. Uh 
<laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> but I think that's that's the thing I noticed was like I would just feel off for the first weeks, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's a problem. Yeah. Like that is the first thing I go to, and so I just rearranged my morning routine mm-hmm. and cut it out at night. I don't look at it past 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. because nothing is more soothing to me than getting in a rage cycle. Right. And <laughs> I've been doing that, but I don't do that at night. I, I mean, I do look at it at night, but I don't get you know, But in the morning, I have caught myself, especially during lockdown, buying weird shit while sitting in my meditation room, scrolling through Instagram. And there's a Star Wars shirt that's going to fix me or <laughs> yeah, or like getting into like I'll type up this whole inflammatory post about the president and like just delete it all delete it okay i've spent 45 minutes writing posts then deleting it (laughs) that's my contribution to society is just not making the post thank you for deleting all those posts steve we appreciate it i i i do joel that like this because i went on i i do not well because of this podcast actually oh yeah blame the podcast steve nice no i put instagram back on my phone right and it's been a fucking nightmare. I hate it. <laughs> I, I hate it so much because I'm so much happier when I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I went, I did no Facebook related anything, no Insta, no Facebook for months, and it was delightful. Mm. And then, but but it's like just put the app back on the phone because you want to see if people are liking the podcast. And by the way, <laughs> please follow us on Instagram. Yeah, follow us on Instagram, please. We've been doing this. This is our twentieth one, and we frankly just don't have enough followers to <laughs> to feed my need for for that sort of, that level of gratification. Everybody go like, like everybody everybody out here follows Steve. Go like twenty of his last posts just just to give him a boost. So much better. But then take it away. Then take it away. <laughs> Somebody did unfollow us, Joel. Like, oh, our, I, yeah, I'm sure. I, I don't. Mean, I don't like count. Our, I don't. Our, you our count. Follower count went down a day, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck you, random mystery I internet I person. Don't really watch that. <laughs> I need your like. There is actually though. There's there's some pretty hard science out there now that the more, <clears throat> and this was interesting to me. The amount of time you spend on one app is less addictive. And less detrimental to mental health than having multiple social media apps. Really? Hmm. So and if I, I, I whittled it down to Instagram, mm-hmm. yeah, you, then you can control and enjoy your internet. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just on one app. What? Leave me yeah, alone. I'm scrolling. This is fine. <laughs> I'm married to who now? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, oh. Dude, it's like, and you can whole. I mean, and this is. I guess this is a process of me identifying with an addiction that I initially didn't think I identified with or, or, or even judged. It was like, that is the pro the process. It's not the thing, right? Like the booze is just, alcohol is just a beverage. It's Uh what it does for me. I'll let it do what it does to me because of what it does for me. Yep. And I could really, I mean, gambling, video games, internet, I could see the process of that being so woven into a daily routine. You know what I mean? Like, that's wild. I just have never really, I've never really put it in that context. You know, Jeremy, are you with us? I think he, either he Bye. fell asleep or he froze. He, I think he froze. Oh, I froze. I'm here. Okay, good. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Like he's like Jeremy, fell asleep. Like I know. I don't shit. think Jeremy's a narcoleptic. <laughs> that's a whole new podcast. <laughs> that would be a great podcast. <laughs> Jeremy's no offense un- to narcoleptics out there. unknown secret of. of 
pod or a narcolepsy would have been amazing. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Video games, they're now selling connection. And the World Health Organization during the pandemic started saying, just let your kids play video games. It's a way they can connect with their friends. Mm. Now, it 100% is sure. a way they can connect with their friends. That's not my argument because, again, stimulus is the stimulus. I don't care what it is. But now we're noticing a pretty big uptick in people that are wanting to come in for therapy because mm. my kid's addicted to this. And if mm. we take away from them, they get really angry. Well, of course, yeah. you, not only did you take away the game, you took away all their friends. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They can't hang out with their friends anymore either. And that's where mm. everybody is. And that's right. hard when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so um, I get really irritated when the World Health Organization did that. They didn't return my call, so it was fine. Did you? I Please um, tell me you called them. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, awesome. man. Well, Don't like, worry, I'm on that watch list too. But that's the um, thing, like you, yeah, you take it away, but in the like heart of the pandemic, it's also like, you can't say, well, you know, 16 year old kid. Yeah. You can go to that party. It's like, well, I don't want you to go to that party either. Cause you might get sick, but you also probably can't play video games. I'm taking away the Xbox. Yeah. And, so and why I, don't you just like read a book? Oh, that's so, so connective. Thank you. Right. Yeah. I'm going to read. Thoreau. That's going to teach Thanks. me empathy and things like that. That sounds boring. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, do you read a little bit? Yeah, what do you read? What are you reading right now, dude? Yeah, for real. Okay. Um, this isn't nerdy at all. Please. Um, so I'm currently reading. Uh, I have to read four books at once or I get bored. Right. Um, so I'm That's reading a, a book on, it's a four volume series on Lyndon Baines Johnson. Oh, okay. good Lord. I bet that's okay. enough. Um, it's, it, it is interesting. Uh, I'm reading a book on sociopaths and that, tr- that tracks. Yep. And uh, I'm reading <laughs> another book on uh, video game addiction and uh, what it's been like. Well, it's more of a series of articles, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, what it, what it does, did during the pandemic. And then for fun, uh, I'm reading Fire and Blood by George R.R. R. Martin. Ah, nice. Very good. Is it any good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. Good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Have you read? Speaking of like fantasy novel, have you read the King Killers series? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I need. I I finished the first one and I need to read the second one and and I've just yeah. Um, I, I it's real wait. good. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, how do you feel about the casino happening here and the the gambling laws that are being sort of injected into the, the great state of Nebraska? I think. I guess this would be my my stock answer is you increase access, you will increase problem. Yeah. Uh, As an example, so in Nebraska, we're currently rocking at about one to three percent gambling addiction. Uh, I was at a training in Vegas a few years ago and uh, their rate was eight to nine percent. Wow. So I think it's going to bump it up for a little bit. I think we're Mm going to have people that have a problem. I don't know if that will stay or mm-hmm. if the will wear off. Mm-hmm. Um, like when a new restaurant restaurant opens up in Lincoln, can't get into it for a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next, after the, it opens, the next five years are going to be interesting mm-hmm. um, for purpose, but uh, I don't know what will happen after that because mm-hmm. Vegas is state 
steady, but at the same time, Vegas was also the only place for a while that you could do all the gambling. Right. right. I don't yeah. know if that number will actually go down as more states allow sports betting and things like that. So I think I think it's going to be interesting to see because I've always maintained that I think our number on the number of people that have a gambling addiction is low. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at just lifestyle choices, so we'll use just some hard facts. Typically, 10% of the population is going to have a problem with alcohol and drugs. That's a pretty generally accepted sure. number. Okay. Yet 50% of them show up as having a gambling problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yet we have a one to 3% rate of people that have a gambling problem. So those, that math doesn't add up to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if that's more that we're already in recovery programs. So we're, we're folding this addiction in. Mm. And so we're just working on both of them at the same time. I don't, I guess I don't, I shouldn't speculate. I don't have the answer for it. Right. Right. I think there's a lot of undiagnosed problem that we don't see because they're able to pull themselves out occasionally. Right. So you're mm-hmm. not going to see it till later. Whereas mm-hmm. as crappy as this sounds, thankfully alcoholism was, was just one long road down. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant earlier by predictable. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Once once that switch is flipped without some sort of recovery, it's a very predictable trajectory. Yep. Yeah. And so I think. Jails, institutions, and death. Oh, my. Yeah. (laughs) I do like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so I think think the numbers are a little lower than than we actually have a problem for, but I haven't figured out how to test for it yet. Well, yeah, and I'm sure it'll be. You know, you, you can't really you can't really predict or know what's going to happen with something like that until it actually does. I mean, yeah. there's, I mean, there's proponents of like, well, tax money is good and it's a good way to, you know, all, people are driving to council bluffs to spend their money and that I was getting all those ta- all those tax dollars. But there's a trade off there of potential harm, you know, that it can cause societal ills and increased yeah. and increased tax burden. Right, right. So let me, okay, let me flip this for a second. Let me ask you two a question. What do you think of marijuana legalization? Oh, all for it. I, I, I am all for it because there's a just, there's a justice issue there for me because there's, there's folks that have been incarcerated disproportionately because of the color of their skin based on Mm -hmm. marijuana possession or distribution. And, and, the, the other justice issue is how, how are you going to have one state have it elite cannabis illegal while it's, it's medicinal across the river, well, right? It's, very so like, sim- it's simple, Joel. You sue the neighboring state. <laughs> That's how you had that. You That's sue the neighboring bullshit, state. Man. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that- let's, Go ahead. And, and I agree with those, those justice issues completely. Okay. But for me, it's the fact that alcohol and cigarettes are legal. Again, no argument there. Right. But my my question would be, who gets to determine which one's safe? Hmm. Because you're not, I'm uh, talking about like, I get a lot of people that tell me, well, marijuana is not addictive. Mm-hmm. I disagree. <laughs> right. right. Like, it, so I'm, it I'm, can a- be really have no opinion on it mm-hmm. other than i'd like us to legalize it so that 
I have to, I have to stop talking to clients about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that would be nice because they just want to argue with me about, well, that's alcohol is legal, but if you have a problem with it, you have a problem with it. And so I think, again, I go back to my same argument, which is, and that doesn't mean it's a no for me. Right. If you increase access, you will increase problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so and I, for me, it's like, hey, you can get pot anytime you want anyway. Yeah. So that's it's really easy. When I was 15, it was a lot easier to get pot than it was booze. Yeah. Right. Straight up. And uh, where I'm from. But yeah, I would argue, you know, and like I, I had a older gentleman to, well, marijuana is a gateway drug. And I'm like, well, that's probably because in order to get it, you have to be around drug dealers. Yeah, right, right. And there's actually not much to back up that marijuana is a gateway drug. No, right. right. And like my deal there's with not a lot of being addictive is that it's almost back to the process addiction thing, hmm. which is mm-hmm. that it numbs me and I can just be in my safe space oh. very easily. Man, have a nice day. You know, right? Yeah. Because that's what it is for me, is they're all process addiction. Mm-hmm. Like a, no marijuana is no more addictive than video games. Marijuana is no more mm-hmm. addictive than chocolate or pizza yeah. or sex or whatever mm-hmm. shopping. Mm-hmm. Right. It, my, I had a, my counselor tell me in high school, he's like, the only problem that he saw with marijuana is that it was a motivational. Mm-hmm. Like if you're stoned all the time, if you're that kind of person who has a difficulty getting off the couch when you're stoned, you're probably not going to achieve much as much as you could if you weren't stoned. Then I know a lot of creative people that would say, well, that's bullshit. But there's, there's, yeah, but there's also like the idea of there's like, you know, there's, there's the good nugs that we used to smoke. And then there's like high concentrated, you know, gummies that have THC that'll blow your mind that we don't, we, mean, there was that idea that, that THC and cannabis was not actually quote unquote addictive, but you pack enough THC into something, it, it, it's, it's a hallucinogenic psycho yeah but that doesn't i'm not saying the right word but you know what i mean but that doesn't make it addictive that just it can but that because most people after like an intense psychoactive psychedelic experience don't want to do it again for a while Mm. (laughs) right like they need to take a couple days off but take that into even even food as an example, with as much processed stuff we have in food, Steve was talking about sugar. Mm-hmm. You give up sugar, you're going to feel it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I mean by process is like, it's what it, whatever we put into our body, we will get used to. When we remove it, we will miss that. Oh, yeah. So I have no dog in the fight as to whether or not these things are legal. I really, it's my, my objective is always treat the people who can't do it. Mm-hmm. video game for whatever reason for whatever reason right i just always find it interesting the difference in those uh i guess stigmas yeah thing has a more significant stigma than drug addiction yeah right um and so that's the part that i guess i it was an unfair thing on my end but i wanted to challenge it for a second to see like what everybody's view is on it because there is interestingly gambling is about money that's what people see it as your and so therefore they are trusted less hmm. than 
somebody that has like a substance use issue. Mm-hmm. And so it's harder for my gamblers to get a job mm. if they've been convicted of something related to their gambling yeah. than like a DUI. Yeah. Wow. Because you're looking at embezzlement. Right. What do you work for? Something right. along those lines. Wow. So that's one of the things that like, I like challenging the, those, even though to me, they're very, very similar. They're viewed differently among the general public. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And it, yeah, I think that that's a really great challenge too, because it it makes, you know, you, you, I mean, and that goes to, you mentioned stigma. I mean, the stigmatization of addiction across the board, you know, it's because like when you say, you know, legalize cannabis, we immediately think of like head shops selling, you know, sacks of weed, but there's also like, there's a whole medicinal property, you know, and even with Absolutely. psychedelics too, like, because those, the war on drugs and just say no was this colossal fucking nightmare. They've the, the, the possibility that these or, organic materials could be used as medicine were never allowed to be researched. And that's why I think the legalization question is, is a, is a health question as well as a justice question, as well as, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to stigmatize one thing, why aren't you stigmatizing the other thing? And that's, that's my issue with it. And plus, I don't think the state loves that you could grow a really great medicine in your basement. I think they really worry about that because they can't regulate it and sell it, you know, but like, they could, they could, right. If our governor (laughs) wasn't, if our governor wasn't on the take from the pharmaceutical industry. Oh yeah. Whoo. Hey, so have either of you guys ever read, you guys know who Michael Pollan is? I do not researcher. Well, you may know him from food Inc and the omnivores. Oh, dilemma. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, he wrote a book a year or two ago called how to change your mind. And it's all, he did extensive research on psychedelic research mm-hmm. and psychedelics dating back to the beginning of time, basically. But he really focused on um, how psychedelic research was shut down. Right. There's yeah. volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of psychedelic research that just got shuttered and shelved mm-hmm. and how that now um, those doors are starting to creak open a little bit mm-hmm. and how um, the results are. Well, in a completely non-surprising way to any fan of the Grateful Dead, uh, really beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> well, in a lot of ways, like in not just like, you know, booming people's minds apart. It's also like you know, helping people in chronic illness situations grapple with their own, with their own inevitable death. And well, and people with like, uh, well, it helps across the board, read the book. It's really, really fantastic. It's fantastic. And he also just, uh, chronicles his own, uh, psychedelic research. He's like, if I'm going to research it, I should probably try it. And he does. And he talks Mm. about it Mm. from a purely, um, research oriented standpoint yeah like he's yeah. not like getting high man you know <laughs> right? well, he is but he isn't right, right. like he's yeah. he's I mean, investigating it he's curious uh how to change your mind by michael Pollan. it's fantastic interesting it's revolutionary mm. it's uh, and, and what was most eye-opening to me about it is um the people that i've traditionally associated with that if they're mentioned at all it's in passing which just goes to show that they're so much information that was a like basically censored yeah right um effectively just censored and um but how much research was done quote back in the day and now and now the modern research it's really fascinating yeah interesting 
anyway, that, that's a little sidebar, but. Well, we're getting close to the end. We yep. started asking these questions, but one thing that we always like to ask guests, Jeremy, is what are you, what are you listening to? Or like what bands or music are you listening to? Or what are your like top five all time? Oh yeah, there we go. No pressure. Oh. No pressure. <clears throat> no pressure. Um, the, the dead are on there. Yeah, they are. This one's going to make Steve mad, but I like Dave Matthews. Oh, uh, I, got, I got no truck against yeah. that. What do you got <laughs> against Dave? Got nothing. Okay. My, uh, sis, my sister told me 20 plus years ago that there was this guy playing in North Carolina that was going to be huge. Uh, well, who is he? He's like Dave Matthews. Some guy know sounds lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, shows what I know. Ba- based purely on his name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Actually, one, I, I like Louis Capaldi. That dude, I, like I don't even him. know who that is. I don't know. I, that doesn't. I don't know who that is. He refers to himself as the Scottish Beyonce. Okay. Oh, oh I'm in. <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious. Okay. Um, but um, and probably I don't know. I can come up with another one. I like Ray Lamontagne. Yeah. Sure. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ray Lamontagne is so good. Dude, thank, thank you. you so much for doing this. Thank you guys. Yeah, this has been really great, and it's good to see you. This is, I mean, Joel and I started doing this ostensibly so we could hang out for an hour. Yeah. You know, and I I like sometimes the last couple guests have been sort of people that we don't really, you know, and I'm like, and I'm just looking forward to just like, I know there's just going to be a chat with Jeremy. Like, that's it's so nice. And I'm like, really, I'm proud of you, man. Like, you're doing amazing things in our community and also like being elected to that association. You're a leader in the state. And you're an advocate for mental health and all good things, all good things, dude, you're doing great. And like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Um, sure, one more thing. Like if you need, if you or anybody has a process addiction and would like to get some help, Jeremy is uh, tell us how, the, how people can get a hold of you. Yeah. Uh, I work for alternative avenues. Um, uh, our office number is, uh, well, I'll give you my, my work cell is 402-440-5094. And you can get a hold of me or my colleague, Janet Johnson, there. Uh, we also have a 24-hour helpline. And that number is 402, or no, 531-510-0298. 531-510-0298. Wow. Sorry. What's that? Zero two nine eight. Zero two nine eight. And that's alternative avenues. Yes. Okay. Wow. That's really generous and awesome of you to just put it out there like that because who knows? I mean, somebody may need twenty minutes of your time, Jeremy, and uh you can, you know, maybe save their lives. So um it's awesome. Glad you're doing well, it. Thank you guys. Yeah, yep. man. All right. Thanks for doing this, Jeremy. You rock. Oh, you go on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice. <laughs>